Hey guys, it's Michael with the Air Raid Attack Podcast. Let me talk to you for just a few seconds. Tornado season and severe weather season has arrived and I got the best locally owned company that will make sure to take care of you and your family during this season. Check out Storm Check. Are you terrified by what is inside of your storm shelter? When that siren sounds, do you feel prepared to spend the night in your shelter? Allow them and their team of military veterans to put your mind at ease with their services. Visit stormcheck.team. That's right, stormcheck.team to make sure and get your storm shelter prepared for this season. Welcome to another episode of the Air Raid Attack Podcast. I'm your host, Michael. It's an honor having a special guest today. As always, you can listen to us on iTunes and Google Podcasts. Of course, every Friday Night Live on the Unhinged Sports Network at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, and 7 Pacific. But without further ado, it is an honor to have our special guest for today's show. His name is Coach Flannery. He is the offensive coordinator at West Carter High School. He has also been the quarterback coach, the wide receiver coach, as well at West Carter. Long story short, he currently lives in Olive Hill, Kentucky. He has an awesome and understanding football wife and two beautiful little girls. And just a side note, he's played a different position every year of college and all special teams. Coach, Coach Flannery, welcome to the Area Tech Podcast. Hey man, I'm glad, I'm glad to be on. Glad we could uh, hopefully get through our, our our technical our technical issues. Yes, sir. And uh, many of you may not be knowing, we were actually uh, in the process of recording, and then technical difficulties on my side, and they will be they've already been addressed. Hopefully, we get those fixed in their future for next week and moving on down the road. But in the meantime, Coach, um, 2020, we all know it's been a hectic year for us all regardless from coaching to just personal life in itself. How has tw- how has COVID uh, affected West Carter football, the coaches, and how are you guys able to prepare uh, each and every single game for Friday nights? So with, with COVID, you know, um, obviously everything was different. You know, there, there's nothing in society right now that that is the same. Um, it led to us weirdly into some really key advantages and in my opinion um you know the the first thing we did was was strength conditioning so at a small high school um i'm sure that some of the metropolitan areas and even some of the the big schools in our you know even in our state you know they they're going to have a dedicated strength conditioning and there is rules in kentucky when you can practice and when you cannot practice right and 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 you have a dead period Mm -hmm. now with that being said you know on the college level the NCAA restricts a lot and they have strength coaches and there's a whole slew of those guys underneath the head strength coach. And the only, the only thing the players are allowed to do is, is, is run and lift. And if they do anything else, it's on their own. So college college kids can get in a lot of install because you're going to have a quarterback and and they're just college kids. So with my experience uh, with us, and, and it's not a good thing, but it just happens. You get super competitive in seven on seven. So you want to make sure that you're ready to go for seven on seven. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the world's worst. Uh, you know, when we go out and play, I want to win a seven on seven game. So you get into putting strength and conditioning, you know, maybe on a little bit of the back burner because we are around our kids. So we may not have a helmet. We may not have a ball, et cetera. But you still get into to, to installing some stuff and, and, you know, maybe doing some, some chalk talk that kind of stuff with, with your kids. But with us this year, the only thing we weren't allowed to be inside, so we couldn't live. So the only thing we were allowed to do with the kids is do, you know, just basic calisthenics. And we were only allowed to have so many kids come in at a time. So it was a little bit longer for the coaches than we usually spend in the summer. But we knew we had a really good team coming back. So we, we just kind of, we sucked it up and we were out there, you know, every evening that we could be and the, and the kids got in really good shape as a byproduct of that. So I feel like that that's one, one facet of it, but the resilience that these kids had to learn on the fly, because we're going to play, we're not playing. We get to play season's canceled in the world. 
okay, now we're going to play. So this went back and forth forever. And our kids showed up every day and continued to do what most high school kids don't want to do is run. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like that, that led to our advantage. Now, another part of that is other schools were in our same boat. You know, they even all the way into July after the traditional dead period, you weren't practicing. You didn't get to have camp. You couldn't have two a days. You didn't get all your, you know, I'm speaking offensively. You didn't get all your traditional install time to, to evaluate and learn, learn your scheme. So with us, I'm a wristband guy. I had my quarterback back, had a great running back back, all my receivers, offensive line, everybody was back. This was, this was supposed to be, you know, our year, quote unquote. So with me, I hit the first game running. We, we, we were able to have concepts that, that we already had in and we were in shape and we were, we were ready to go. Very nice. And of course, um, you know, not to put anything on against Kentucky high schools, uh, sports athletic association or anything, just kind of, it's just talk. How close were you guys to knowing if a game was canceled? I mean, like, at least here in Oklahoma, you know, where I'm at, Middle City High School, usually it's, we were always notified Wednesday, Thursday-ish. How soon notice were you guys given if a game happened to be canceled because of COVID? So our athletic director and head coach did a really good job of staying on top of that. And they, in Kentucky, they had like this color map. And, and I promise you for like six or seven weeks of the season, I didn't even pay any attention to what it was. So I, I really didn't have any idea like we, cause I like my, my thought was, is like, I don't want to know. It's, right. it's, it's out of my control. Like that we're going off a color map. Like, like, what is that? So, and, and with COVID, you know, the, the media has been terrible. I mean, just, it's just been up and down. And I was like, I don't even want to know. So you guys just tell me and we'll try to get ready. Now with that, we, we didn't get to play our first two games. Uh, we started out with our rival, which was, you know, we used to do that. Now we don't uh, because traditionally both both schools in our school district aren't really strong. You know, we, we don't have they're, they're not championship programs yet. So they quit doing that because it can make or break your season, depending on an East or West Carter wins. So we, we got to start out with them. We were ready. To, you know, we had the advantage in that game. We played two non-district games and we went straight into district play. We had a district team. We had a we had a COVID cancellation in district, so we were scrambling around. We we'd been playing really good. We were averaging like 50 points a game at that point. Our defense had only give up, I think, four touchdowns in our first uh, first four or five games. So we were like, we got to play somebody. They have RPI ranking in Kentucky. There's all kinds of goes into that formula. So teams weren't wanting to play us per se because the win and loss is one of the huge factors in RPI. So we ended up having to pick up on two days notice since you asked uh, Paintsville High School, which won, went, went on to win the uh, single A state championship in Kentucky. Now, looking back, I think that was to our advantage because it, it kind of brought us down a notch, let us know what we need to work on. But then this also reiterated that, you know, the, the resilience that our kids had to learn. And it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a good game. We didn't get embarrassed. Uh, we, we come up short. But I really do think that it helped us win, uh, you know, some more big games and make our deep run in the playoffs. Talking about playoffs, of course, uh, losing in the state semifinals um, by a point to the eventual state champions. Once the final buzzer, once that triple zero showed up on the scoreboard, uh, what was the final message to you that you guys as a coaching staff was telling the players? Of course, losing in the semifinals, um, getting that far into the playoffs, of course, I'm sure is, is, I never experienced it from my personal self, but I know I'm sure it's a tough, tough stretch to get all that way and then lose by a point to try to make it to the state championship game. Yeah, man, I, I, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't get to experience that either. And, and as a player, uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't play on a lot of teams that, that won a lot of games in high school or in college. You know, I think I was only on like one team that had a winning record. So for me, it, it was something new, but with, with the way the world was shut down and the only thing that we had normal going on was football, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for our team and our team's families and my family, like I was able to just be locked in. So there was lots of 
I expected to win and be competitive because once we got into the playoffs, I'm like, okay, all right. I thought we were going to be pretty good, but now we can legitimately play for a state championship. That was totally new to the coaching staff. The kids, you know, they, they, they think they're going to win. You know, when they, they, uh, you know, they have a little bit of swagger, but then also it's just an immaturity, you know, they think they're going to win. And I remember back when I was young, I thought we were going to win every game, you know, and we, we would get smashed. But yeah. so, you know, after that loss, it was, you know, it was gut-wrenching because we were so close to making the ultimate goal. You know, I think every year it's our goal to win the state championship. Mm -hmm. Is that feasible? Do we have the talent um, every year? No, it, it's not true. But, you know, I always say it's not it's not so much like how good you are, it's who you're playing. And we just felt like that playing at 2A this year that we had a chance. And, you know, we, we just told our kids you have nothing to hang your head about, you know, because we had two losses this year and they were both the state champions. So, you know, is that kind of like a moral victory? Yeah. But, you know, we were disappointed. But, you know, we had, we had our chances. So, uh, you know, there, there's not a – there's not like a – a bad aura around the program or the kids. Everyone's happy. There's no finger pointing. Uh, so you know, even, even in a the loss, there, there there was there was there was a lot of good that come from the loss. Absolutely. And of course, uh, no, you know, of course, losing the state semifinals is a, is a tough one. And of course, you know, a lot of programs, especially in the state of Texas and Alabama, and there's a few here in Oklahoma, not many that are state championship or bust type of year, you know, teams, but um, but uh, looking back, you know, it's your first, it's your guys' first 10-win season uh, in program history. I'm sure that's a definitely a um, tip of the cap to move forward into 21. Yeah, so as coaches, you know, you're happy for your kids that win. And we, we had so many first-timers first time, first and record breakers this year and, and leading up to this year. So, you know, you, you're happy for those kids, but – the, the, the affirmation that you get as a coach is, is like, okay, this is how we want to run our program. This is what we do. And specifically offensively, it's like, okay, I took this job being a coach's son. I've been around football my whole life. I played football. That doesn't mean that you're going to be able to effectively teach an offense or call plays. It's, it's very, it's difficult. So for me, it's like, all right, I've been, I've been telling you guys this, players and, and the guys I coach with, because you're going to make them believe too. Mm -hmm. It's like, if we do this, this gives us the best chance to win. So, so the best thing for our program and our coaches is now we actually have some substance and, you know, of wins and, and championship level play to say, hey, this is what we do and this is how we do it. And from going from there, at a program like us, I think that's huge because we never had that before. You know, it, it all comes from kids wanting to go hard or just being respectful in general. But now it's like we 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 have that credibility, and and, and I think going forward that's going to be a huge huge help for our for our staff and, and our program for years to come. Oh, absolutely, it's an excellent. It's an excellent way, especially with how you know COVID affected um, the season, so on and so forth. Are you guys losing uh, and world pot it leads into the biggest subject, which I would like to kind of discuss and kind of get your feet on because it's quite interesting is uh, is regards to or how many returning kids from last year's um, final four team is coming back this year and um, for West Carter. Okay, so so we we have we have a running back coming back. He he's a young kid and he he will be a junior and I'm pretty high on him. I've been high on him since he was young. Um, he, he got some action this year. He, he's a good runner, but he, you know, he was backing up the state's leading rusher. So he didn't get as many reps as, as honestly as he deserved, but he did, you know, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people know that he's, that he's coming too. So I, I kind of like that part of it. We have two receivers that are coming back that after this season will shatter the receiving records, uh, basically all of them West Carter. That's not, you know, probably going to make uh, ESPN, 
but you know it's a it's a big deal for us and it's a big deal for them absolutely so uh one of the one of those is is out with a knee right now you know we, we expect him to be back he, he's a real dynamic player for us um he you know he, he scored a couple scores in in the regional final and and the and the state semifinal so we we have all those guys coming back to build around, you know, we're going to have to replace a quarterback and we're going to have to replace a running back. That's a, that's a Mr. Football candidate. So I can't say that, you know, that we don't lose a lot, but at the same time, I, I feel really good about the kids we got coming back. Very nice. And kind of lead into, you know, a, um, a thing that you sent me prior to the show and uh, it's Kentucky Senate approves and sends to the House Senate Bill 128, which would allow students to stay in school an extra year uh, due to disruption from the coronavirus pandemic. The vote was 36 to nothing. Your thoughts on that? Of course, it's, you know, I'm not for sure how far along they've got it, if it's a done deal, so on and so forth. But how would that change high school uh, football for, for Kentucky? If this thing so, from what? It's another thing I've kind of been handling now, like I handled the season with COVID. It's like, I don't want to know. You guys just tell me <laughs> and, 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 and we'll go because I, I don't I don't want to get, you know, my hopes up either way, just like scheduling with COVID. But it's, I think maybe Florida's trying to do it. We're nice. So, so it's very, very unique. And I, and I don't know, don't quote me on that. I think they are. But you're basically getting a fifth-year eligibility. Now, the, the different school districts, I think have to approve that and that will have to do with funding right now the you know the, the million dollar question is, is will kids come back you know i don't know um you know some, some kids you know we, we have two kids that have signed letter intent mm -hmm. you know they they will probably go on because i don't know if colleges will hold money you so you have you have that facet as far as changing the dynamic of really good players coming back you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. probably they're going to move on there's still the age restriction, and I, I think it's it's like August 1st. You can't be 19 uh, before August 1st. So you're going to have some kids that are immediately going to be disqualified for sport just because of that. Um, you're going to have kids that, that just want to, to want to go on. Um, now, on the flip side of that, with a team like, you know, with the small school, we're, we're playing, we're, we play 2A ball, okay? So in Kentucky, it's single A, and it goes all the way up to 6A. So in single A and two A ball in Kentucky, if you have one or two dudes, you can be competitive. Mm -hmm. That's all it takes. So for me to sit here and say that, ah, it's not that big a deal, it would be huge. If we had kids come back, it would be huge. Now, I haven't really spoke to a lot of them about it. And my biggest concern, like for us, that, that worries me, and I don't know that other people would think like this, but with us, we had a good year. We have a bunch of kids coming back. So they're going to have to re-up a commitment to try to win a championship, to play at a championship level. So that to me is, you know, obviously I think everyone looking from the outside in think, well, why wouldn't they want to do that? You know, if that's their prerogative, they want to come back to play sports, why wouldn't they? Well, you know, it's hard work. Mm -hmm. And getting 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 19-year-olds to volunteer for hard work I mean, it, it would be a hard sell, you know, you know, because they, they are just not going to be able to show up and, and play because they had a good season last year. Football does not work like that. No, it doesn't no, work no. like that in high school. It doesn't work like that in NCAA, and, and it don't work like that in the NFL. You still have to put in the hard work. Now, you're getting a do-over, right? So we all have things in our life that we'd want to do over, and I wish I would have done this, man. Oh, well, these kids are going to get to do that. Think about, like, think about the stuff that you know about football now, or that you know about lifting weights or, or whatever. And if you knew that when you were 15, you know, so these kids are going to get a do-over, but it's going to be a do-over of with an expectation. I know, I know, for our program to to work at a championship level, so that that could be a good thing and it could be a bad thing. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I actually was discussing when you got, I got the notification from you. It was, I was actually um, finishing up dinner and talking to the wife for a few minutes. And my mission, that was quite interesting uh, in regards to how that would affect not just on the field, but in the classroom. 
Uh, of course, I'm like you. I'm I'm not much of a uh, political guy because unfortunately, I do kind of, you know, when I do say my two cents, it, it gets offended. But that's it is neither near or there. But uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting nonetheless. Uh, how how that will or potentially could affect um, not just West Carter but just high schools in general uh, this year. Yeah, there's there's a you know there's a political aspect of it, and and with if anything is decided by a, a state senate, or or you know nationally with the U.S. Senate or or the U.S. House or or the state house, somebody's gonna be mad. It doesn't matter what what it is. So you're gonna have that, and you're gonna have people that, you know, another thing I worry about is people like shaming these kids. You know, like if they would if they had the opportunity to do that, and they come back. And someone's like, you know, why would you do that? I can't believe you would do that. Well, guess what? It's COVID and we got a lot of new normals. You know, <laughs> this is just another weird thing that's happening. But I also don't see anything wrong with, with a kid if he's like, you know what, coach? I want I want to go ahead and, and, and go to school or I got a job lined up or this or that. Now, I will say this. We, we have kids that, um, you know, you spent some time in East Kentucky, right? Yes, sir. So, I mean, we, we have kids that are, are in a welding program, you know, a carpentry program, stuff like that. Well, they haven't been in school this year. So they are able in those programs to get certificates that, in essence, saves them money. Because if they weren't able to do that via the public school system, they would have to go to vocational school or, you know, a two-year college, that type of deal to get some of those certificates. So it actually saves them money. I was also talking to uh, one, a friend of mine about, well, if they get to come back to school, why couldn't they take all AP courses, mm -hmm. college classes on the school district's dime? And I don't even know if any, they even make them. I don't, I, I don't know if the school district has to pay for AP courses or college courses. I don't know how that works, yeah. but I don't know if the kids aren't out of pocket. So if you go an extra year of high school, and you were you were ready academically, you could hypothetically get, you know, 12 hours, 20, maybe an entire year of your, your gen ed courses in college paid for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that's another thing that looking at it not from sports, if kids could do that, that's huge for kids. Plus all the social stuff, you know, that, that, that was so hard for us this year is we had a good season and, you know, nobody could come to our games. You know, we, we don't have a lot of people in town, but you know, they didn't get to come and, and that, and that's bad for the kids. They don't get to have prom, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, I get, I get the bill, you know, I don't know how it'll work out, but I definitely think the pros outweigh the cons. Well, I, I, I think, I think, I think negative stuff is going to be stuff people create about it is, is what I think. Well, absolutely. And with this thing, I think a lot of people can create so much negativity uh, with COVID and, you know, here's what you shouldn't do, here's what you should do, you know, so on and so forth. And, and in this case, maybe an extra year, you know, I'm sure maybe we all may look 10 years down the road and be like, hey, that extra year for these kids actually more panned out for them than it did hurt them. Sure. I, I don't see how, um, you know, starting life at, at 19 or 20 couldn't, isn't, isn't better, you know. Lots of times, you know, parents will hold kids back for sports. And then, you know, sometimes kids get held back because, you know, they they needed it. You know, they they needed it academically. They needed it socially. Uh, you know, I have two daughters. I'm cool if they stay here, you know, you know, forever. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? So yep. th there, there's that part of it, you know, and, and kids, um, ki kids are, you know, they're they're mature in a different way. But I think going out on their own is uh, society is just a little bit different now. You know, it's not it's not it's not as hard knocks as it used to be, and they they have some. I mean, they just have it easy. You know, the United States is still a good place to live. You know, especially, especially if you're a teenager. I mean, it's you know, it's easy. It's good. So, you know, get another year of that. I, I don't think it could hurt. No, I I personally think you know, in Oklahoma. You know, the Oklahoma's. Not to not to bash the education system, but I know I can speak for itself. The Oklahoma State, at least education side, is not the best. So I think the next year actually could benefit benefit the kids, um, at least you know specifically, and it may help in the recruiting process as well. Um, for but you look at it, um, kind of recap and finish off 2020 season. You lose, you won 
against Russell High School, uh, ending a 30-year uh, drought, losing streak to him on a Hail Mary. What was that feeling like when that ball was caught and the game was over and, and went into the West Carter's favor? So I, I'm going to be totally honest. I, I'm a coach's son. My, my dad, uh, you know, he's coached at West Carter for over 40 years and, and still helped us out. So, you know, a water boy, ball boy, my brother played. So I, I have been, you know, firsthand witness to a lot of beatdowns by Russell. You know, they, they're a good program. But at the same time, since I've been coaching, there's been games they've beat us by one, a couple scores, you know, some, some heartbreakers that we, you know, I feel like you should have just got over that hump to beat them, you know. They used to be in our district when we were 3A. So, so it's a common opponent. That's why we've played them for 30 years. Since we dropped down to 2A, they're not in our district anymore. Okay, They're still 3A. So Coach Parker, you know, got together, talked to me. We confided in each other. And it's like, look, let's keep them on the schedule and let's beat them. So, you know, we elected to play them as a non-district game. Let's keep them on there. You know, they've beat us for 30 years. We got, we got to get them. So the stars aligned. And we, we had a good team. Um, they, they by no means were a bad team, but they have had, they've had some really, really good teams as well. So the stars aligned on that. We, we, were, we were more than competitive. It was a really good game. Probably uh, it, it might have been our most physical game of the year. And uh, we won on a last minute, or la not last minute, last second Hail Mary. And, <laughs> And we, since I've been offensive coordinator, we, we've run, we've went over, we call it LSU. So it's a, it's a Hail Mary at the end of the game. We, me, me, me and Coach Barker, we're Cats fans. Uh, I think Saban was at LSU when that happened. Sorry. Yeah, I think Nick Saban was at LSU when uh, the Kentucky fans ran on the field. Yeah, yeah. The so, so, yeah. Yeah, the bluegrass miracle, right? Yep. So we call it LSU. And we repped it. And as far as execution, it's as good as the high school kids that I get the opportunity to coach can do. It, it was it was executed perfectly um, from, you know, from the quarterback putting the ball, the kids getting to be. It was it was one of those deals where you stack up and, and the one kid tries to tip it. it. It was that. And they and they did it. And, you know, we, we didn't have any timeouts. They, they lined, you know, it was it was just and man, man I, I was. Uh, I was like literally like like speechless crying like because I was just so so excited because you know especially for for my for my dad and then Coach Brown who who had coached forever uh, you know and that I played for and that I coached under you know we we had come close but I was just so happy for just just the program in general you know that it, it was. Uh, it was a really good thing, and there was uh, some not so much social distancing on the on the field <laughs> on, the, on the celebration. I'm like, oh my god, you know, we're we're gonna be on the news, but, <laughs> you know. So for, for a good 15, 20 minutes after the game, we we you know, no no one cared. And uh, again, with COVID, that was another moment of bonding and getting together to make the playoff run that we, you know, we didn't get to have. Because, you, you know, you had a year, you don't get that pep rallies. Nope. You don't get the, you know what I'm saying? You don't get to have any of that stuff. We we, we usually, uh, we got a local business owner lets us do some stuff in town. And, you know, we, we just never got to do any of that. So you had a moment there to where everyone just didn't care for a second. And we all got together and, and, and had a good time. So that helped as far as the, you know, team building and, and just everybody getting behind this team for a playoff run. That's nice, and um, you know, I I think you know, regardless, I'm I'm sure uh, that in 15, 20 minutes, that there's no social distancing. I, I'm sure it's it was well worth it. It was well worth the fact that uh, we can we can miss that out for 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, you know, man, it's uh, it's just been a hard year. You know, you 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 want to try to, you know, I know that. With my job, I you know I've had to wear masks since since it started, and and the stress level I think is the big thing. You know, I, I don't I'm so over COVID and the arguing and people. You know, hey. everybody, everybody's an expert. You know, I, I've been an expert. You know, every everybody knows everything about it, and 
and but really the like you said a minute ago like the negativity and the stress level that it brought everybody up um it you know again if if we didn't get to play football this year it would have drove me crazy and and you know i don't think that the mental health of some of these kids really went into the factoring whether these different states let these kids play or not you know i, I know like is, is cali and some of those schools even are they even playing yet i don't think they i don't think they did and i know here in oklahoma i can at least speak for oklahoma you know um Middle City High School, we canceled, I think, three of the 10 um, games. I think they've only, I think there was only seven games played and the playoffs were shortened and everything else. And I think the first round of 4A um, was canceled as well. So, and then I guess they had the, whoever was the high, whoever the team that did not have COVID, the other team advanced. So the whole thing was messed up. Um, I think the season almost ended close to close to Christmas time, but uh, it was it was an interesting bout nonetheless. Yeah, de de definitely a double edged sword there when it when it comes to the kids. You know, you you, you want to make sure everybody's safe, right? Because COVID is, is is it's real, and you know, and there's you know, unfortunate people have lost you know loved ones, but you know, at the same time, these, these kids they. You know they they weren't affected as as much, and they basically you're just saying like, look, you can't do anything that everyone else has got to do in in your childhood and adolescence, and that that's that's hard on their on their mental psyche, you know. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize, um, maybe not at West Carter, maybe not Midwest City High School, but maybe at Hoover, Alabama, maybe that uh, Hoover High School or East Carter High School or something. You may have those one or two kids to where high school football keeps them out of trouble or anything like that. So people don't realize that um, high school, high school sports plays more of a role from just playing on the field. It might be a life changing thing for them and um, down the road, instead of continuously being in trouble with the law. Oh, no, no doubt. I think that's, um, you know, football for me is, uh, you know, it's 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 like a hobby of mine you know I don't golf I don't fish I'm a paraprofessional I don't teach in the school I coach I coach football mm -hmm. okay um so I enjoy it and it's for me but the byproduct of that is I get to be around be around these boys you know I'm 35 I don't know everything I'm not the perfect parent I'm not the you know I don't know everything but the positive influence that I've got to have on on them as a whole is great and then you know I think as a coach and anybody that's coaching you always got a couple special kids that, that you just you just related with or, or whatever and you help them go on making good decisions and you know I got guys that I you know that I still talk to you know you, you get a little father figure stuff there and then uh you know man it, it's it's teaching them to to work hard to do something that is bigger than them you know, because everything now with these kids is instant gratification. I don't know how we get these kids to play. You know, they, they got their phone, they got everything right at their fingertips. You know, so I think I think that in, in keeping keeping these kids out of trouble and, and just giving them something constructive to do. You know, I, I just feel like that and mental health got overlooked when all the powers that be were trying to look out for the kids. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> And a good question is, and I think I asked as a buddy of mine that asked the question to Coach Collin. I'm just going to pretty much sum it up for you: is in regards to social media, practically, you know, as we speak, literally, you know, well, heck, my two oldest boys, they they have a tablet, you know, for you know that they got to be on, be on, be on. Like, no, stay away from that crap. But um, in regards to social media, in regards to that kind of stuff, how do you kind of break the negativity that uh, that we see on a daily basis on social media. How do you try to kind of not really so much force it away from it, but kind of address it with them? So uh, the, the, the start of our season, when we first got our kids back, when we were conditioning, you had you had all the civil unrest and, and you had the racism issues and stuff. So that was like one of our first times that we felt that like we needed to address these kids of like, look, you can't put whatever you want on the internet. 
Like you, you can't do that. Right. You know, we don't have control over you. Your parents do, but like, look, if you're going to be a part of this team, you can't just be saying whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with racism and stuff like that, I'm like, look, if somebody says something racist to one of us, like I'll handle it. Right. You, that's not, that's not your place as a kid to be that that's not fair. That's not, that's not you. We'll handle it. So you got to be cognizant of, of that kind of stuff. Um, when it, when it comes to, uh, you know, like the sports part of it, um, it's a hard thing to control, but I think as long as it's like all fun and games, you know, with, because these kids, that's how they communicate. Oh, yes. You know what I'm saying? You're not driving over to the other town on Thursday at the cruise spot and like, you know, creeping out the windows. They're gonna get on, they're gonna get on the internet and you know, post a picture or or whatever they do. So, so I think as long as long as nothing's like highly inappropriate, I think these kids that some of the people in the old school, they're just gonna have to accept that that's that's how they communicate. Oh, absolutely. I agree. On the, of course, on the joking side, are, are you out there TikToking, dancing, whatever you want to call those things? Are you dancing on TikTok? So, so it's funny that you asked that. So we we started doing a thing with TikTok with wrestling videos. Nice. So it's you know we're hillbilly. We we don't have we don't have these expensive computers and and all and all of like the sweet ed- video editing. All right, so TikTok's free. So we started doing wrestling videos and making like our own little generic hype videos. Well, we started doing it. Well, then we had to continue to do it because we started to win games. And it was like a little bit of like, you know, kind of talking a little smack, but at the same time, it was still a huge joke, right? Because it's like, you know, we, we might have like Ric Flair or, or whatever, uh, you know, talking about being the greatest ever or whatever before a game. Yep. And uh it, it was fun. And, and that's what I mean about like that. This is what these kids identify with and that's how they communicate. So I think as a coach, like with us, you know, with, with myself, like, like making be having a social media presence that's appropriate yep. that I can, you know, it's cool for the kids to give me a like, or, or, or they, they know it's me or whatever. I think that helps me as a coach relate to them. Oh, absolutely. Because, it, it, man, listen, it can be difficult to communicate with them. So if you don't have like that little bit of credibility with them that you're, you know, I'm not an old guy, but at the same time, you know, I'm not, I'm not 18 anymore. You know, they don't look at me as a peer. So it kind of helps you being like hip or cool, I think, with, with, with doing, with doing that. And you see, you see it at the college levels. Yes, you do. You know? and, and really even, even some of the stuff with the NFL, you know, you got Cliff Kingsbury and some of those guys are some cool cats. You know what I'm saying? They're they're gonna they're gonna put some stuff they're gonna put some stuff out there to to be cool. And you know, I think in our society to be cool, you have to have unfortunately you have to have a social media presence. Well, and it's true. I think you know. I, I personally, talk. I mean, I've heard good things, and obviously, you got to watch. Just like my dad always said, growing up, you got to watch. You know, you got to be careful what you watch, and I think that goes with anything, but. And just in social media, you got to be careful what you post, of course. But, you know, I think nowadays, you know, I'm not too far behind you in age-wise. And I think it's probably one of the best ways to relate to some of these young kids is, is through maybe such as like a TikTok or maybe Facebook or Twitter, Instagram or whatever, or Snapchat, whatever it's called. So um, I think that kind of stuff is, it does help, like you said, relate to them because you might also, you're not old, but at the same time, you're not 18. So it's like, how do I relate to them? Do I do it this way? Do I do it that way? So I think, I think social media does kind of help out, kind of break the ice, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. So like, really, I'm the offensive coordinator, but really, my main job is practice DJ. So nice, because we we have you know we we have track we have like young kids running cross country, and then we so we play music the entire time on a loudspeaker. So. You know, I'm a Spotify guy, but sometimes if you get on a playlist that you didn't make on Spotify, anybody can add anything on there. So if you're not paying attention to what's what's going on, it uh, you know, you, you can get some some bad language in there. So, uh, you know, the the TikTok songs that get famous or whatever, we we you know, I turned on Fleetwood Mac, and all the kids know Fleetwood Mac, and I'm like, okay, now now we're all relating to a song that was like a number one hit in the '70s. So. To, to get what you're saying that, that you know you do it, it helps you relate for sure 
it does because I mean, you know, it's just because I remember, you know, when my grandpa passed away, <clears throat> excuse me, my senior year of high school, and you know, back then social media wasn't the the biggest hit in 06, but um, <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, people don't realize that coaches. Where, you know, they separate from game to, to real life. And I think that's where people kind of get the misconception of high school coaches is these hard guys that all they want to do is win. But that's what they see on the media version. The real version is these guys want to see their kids succeed and have any other issues, you know, life issues and whatever may happen. So now people don't realize they don't give enough credit to high school coaches. Yeah, for, for sure. It's, uh, you, you know, you, you have to maintain it to be appropriate, but I mean, sometimes in life, uh, there's things that everybody gets emotional about. And, and I think a high school coach ha has a connection with, uh, with kids that their, their parents or their peers, you know, will we'll never know, you know, and, and it's a good thing. Oh, absolutely. And going back to, to football, 82% uh, winning percentage, uh, since joining the program at West Carter and under two um, different head coaches. <clears throat> I know obviously usually we see a trend, especially in the NFL, but you see a trend that head coaches get fired, Cleveland Browns, for example, maybe one or two years they're gone, so on and so forth. How has that affected, not really so much affected the success, but obviously winning 82% is obviously a phenomenal stat. What was the, I guess, how consistent were you able to kind of get the two coaches without having losing any mishaps so I, th I think the biggest thing is is for the longest time we 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 had like a like a stretch of like maybe 10 years that it was all west carter guys and not only was it all west carter guys every single coach on the staff including the head coach uh, the offensive coordinator then had all played for my for my dad who runs special teams so you had all West Carter guys that had all either played together or another one had coached the other one. So the stability that we've had, and then our head coach now, you know, he 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 went to school, he went earned he he went and coached somewhere else, earned his stripes, earned his experience, position came open, he came over. He was an assistant for a while. It was time for Coach Brown to move on. You know, he wanted to retire. So we were still able to keep that nucleus of West Carter guys where everybody, no, 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 one, no one on the staff was in it for themselves, right? You know, I think that, you know, I know for me speaking, I don't want to be anywhere else, you know? So, and most of our guys that are West Carter guys on our staff, they, they feel the same way. We all want to be there and we're all in it together. And that's helped with our, with our stability of our program with, with our coaches, which I think has led to the same group, group of guys at different times in different, you know, in different coaching positions or in different decision-making positions to, to get that winning trend going and, and getting our program to be respectable and to be at a championship level. Absolutely. And um, kind of, you know, small town football, which I, I like, you know, I, I'm, we're, you know, we're 6A, but, you know, it's, uh, I think small town football is the best. I think it's more the, the personal fear, fear, uh, feel, not fear, feel, and just the excitement compared to, it's more meaningful. I'm not saying it's 6A, 5A, 4A is not, but small ball is always, smaller class is always the best one. So, you know, at some of these major programs, these guys are, they're making a living coaching. And it's not as much in Kentucky, but you take a state like Texas, for example. Oh, absolutely. I mean, those, those guys are making high school coaches, even their assistant coaches, are making a living literally coaching football. So it's a business, right? And their stadiums are almost almost borderline college type. Right. So so it's big, it's big business. It generates it generates revenue for, for the cities, the school district. Uh, you know, the coaches are well compensated. And then when you have small school football, especially in Eastern Kentucky. You know, I was a volunteer forever. You know, we we have guys that volunteer now, and you know, our you know guys either have to have another job or teach to coach. So I feel like that, along with being at a school like we we don't have to cut kids. Mm -hmm. You know, so that it just makes it so much better. You know, when we we have kids that if we're you know they get in 
at the end of the game, right? And you have that everywhere. But here, it's it's kids that if they were at a six day school, you know, they they would they wouldn't make the roster, right? Because you know, take like Louisville Trinity for example. You know, I mean, that, that's 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 some real football. You know, so the small school thing is is they get to experience and play high school football, which is just so awesome, and it makes it so much different than the higher levels or or the more well funded programs or some, or some of the bigger football states. It, it really makes it special. Oh, absolutely. I played small ball in high school, so um, we were able to, to have more success. We weren't successful on the field winning-wise. Uh, the mercy rule kind of came out quite a bit on us, but um, but nonetheless, um, no, smaller ball is always, always fun. And you look at it, um, when you get volunteers involved, that's pretty cool because, you know, it's just there because of the love of the game compared to anything. And uh, I think that's what, in my opinion, I think that's what is pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, uh, you know, especially in Eastern Kentucky, it's uh, it's awesome, man. You know, it, it is uh, so, so many people would have to before, or not, not people, but I mean, like kids would have to maybe live like vicariously through a peer that was on the football team. And in Eastern Kentucky, man, you wouldn't be on the football team, you'd be on the football team. And that and that's that's awesome. I mean, I just can't speak speak for that enough. And then if you're if you're a kid that, you know, maybe you're not a D1 prospect or whatever, but you're still a good high school football player. When you play small high school football, you're gonna play offense, defense, special teams, like you're gonna get you're gonna feel like you're in a car wreck, man. You know, because yep. you're gonna get to play so much football. And and that and that's great for for those guys too. Absolutely. Excuse me. I remember playing uh, defensive end and tight end in, in high school. So, at the end of the day, I mean, in special teams because it's eight man football. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, you're you're gonna be in the, feel like you're a car wreck. I mean, it's it's definitely not easy, but hey, it, it's fun. It's football. Right. Um, keeping football, of course. Um, and I believe you mentioned it earlier, but kind of touch base just in case um what actually i know growing up as a coach's kid um so on and so forth so uh what actually made you decide you know what i want to go into coaching so i mean i i think i think it is that i think that and like being like like family so you know my i didn't know i didn't know anything else right uh, my dad, my dad was a, a science teacher. He's a retired teacher. He, he coached. So as a young kid, I was always there. Now my brother's, he's four years older than me. So we never went to high school together by the same token. We never went to college together. So I had like a double dose of high school football in our household. We had a double dose of college football in our household. Then, you know, that my family, but then also, like we were talking about before with the same coaches on the staff, their kids were playing. It's like, it's like a big family. So initially just wanting to be there for, you know, family and branching out and playing college football, like a, a knowledge is power thing. So, you know, I was able to come back, even though as a young coach, I didn't know as much about football as I thought I did and definitely didn't understand scheme but I had practiced and played so much football to a high school kid, I was really valuable. So I think that part of it kept, kept me doing it. And then once I got, once I got going, I, you know, I got to where I enjoyed it and seeing the kids develop and having that, that success on the horizon really, it really kind of put the hooks in because I coached uh, with this group we've had this year, I, the majority of those kids, I coached them in uh, JFL football. I coached them in middle school basketball. So I have a whole group of kids that I just got attached to uh, coaching. And it was like, you know, it's always it's always one more year, you know, because I'm going to get attached to the next one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as long as long as my family, you know, is supportive of that, um, you know, I, I don't see, I don't see myself stopping because it, it like I said, it, you know, the reason I do it, it, it has to be a family thing, you know, and I get to spend, my dad coaches, I get to spend so much time with him that most sons don't get to spend with their father. 
So that that that's huge for me too, right? So I, I think that's really the pool, the pool that a family can pull is what has kept me into football. And I, I think that's what's what, what's kept me coaching all this time. That's awesome. That's awesome. And of course, you know, father figures in itself is working with your dad is is a lot of kids, like you said, not a lot of them can say that. And and you know, I got to feel obviously I got to work with my dad last year and or two years ago, I should say now, but um, but no, you know, at, with the Oklahoma City Dodgers, our baseball team downtown, but um, uh, kind of scrolling through Twitter here shortly, uh, quickly, Coach Barker, uh, of course, he's excited for you to come in on the show. He, he wants to make sure you don't forget to mention his secret run it three times and punch strategy. Okay, yeah. He, uh, <laughs> you know, so that, that, that's the growing pains of, of being a, uh, a new offensive coordinator. And, and like I said, you know, I don't know if I talked to you before when we were trying to record, you know, we, when, I, when I come on as an offensive coordinator, I was fortunate enough that I got to play a lot of positions in college. Um, but there was one thing I didn't know how to do. You know, I didn't know how to pass block. Okay, I didn't know how to teach it. You know, any, anybody can get on the internet and look at a scheme, right? But I needed to learn how to teach it. I needed to learn how to do it, you know, myself. So we went, we did that. I tried to get buy-in from the staff. They did. My offensive line coach is great. He just, whatever, you know, whatever I say, he's cool with, which, which is great. It's a great dynamic. And it's not like I'm the boss. He just, he just trusts that, you know, I'm going to try to get all the resources I can to coach the kids. So we, we, we did that. And with that, I think when you do the system or, you know, the Tony Franklin system, get into the air aid stuff. I love air aid. I love Mike Leach. You want to throw the ball. And I think anybody that's went previous, we ran option. We were option football. So I think anybody that goes from heavy run, heavy option football, going to full-time spread, with an air raid flavor, you're going to have some major growing pains, you know, major growing pains. And I never really understood it with, uh, with defensive guys, but it's like, if you throw an interception, it's the end of the world. Like, why are we doing this? But if a running back fumbles, it's like, you know, of course everyone's mad, but it's like, ah, you know, you fumble. So, you know, you, you kind of get into that and, you know, we, this year we were able to RPO and do, and do some pretty slick stuff. Well, three years ago, we couldn't, you know, we were trying to, but right. it, it just wasn't working out. So co coach would, uh, coach is a defensive guy and he, uh, you know, he kind of gets into it sometimes, uh, especially early on. It's like, yeah, we just, let's just punt it, just punt it. I'm not, I'm not watching this garbage. We just got to punt it. But I think anybody that's went from a heavy run game and switched over to the spread can, can probably relate having to deal with the defensive guys on their staff. Carson, I know it's probably going to be a simple answer, but I'm, I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, throw out the air raid, just throw it out just for the side of it, just to kind of make it fair, quote unquote. But uh, I'm more of a passing guy. Are you more ground and pound, or are you going to air it out through the air? So I have a, I guess, man crush. It's not a problem. I'm, I'm a huge Mike Leach fanboy. Okay, so I grew up uh, Tim Couch at Kentucky, all that stuff. So I was always fascinated by throwing the ball because I grew up in an offense. My dad coached an offense that, you know, was, was ground and pound. So, you know, I have my preferences. You know, I, li I like the air raid, but I think um, as far as what I think you should do or what I like, what do you, what are you asking? Do both. Okay, what I like, I love air raid. I do. I, it's, it's too, it's so simple. Uh, you know, I think, I think that you see it across all levels of football now, you know, if you would have told somebody that Cliff Kingsbury was going to coach in the NFL after getting fired at Texas tech, being an air raid dude, you know, people tell you you're crazy, right? Ooh, uh, Mike, you know, they say Mike Lee's is going to go to Mississippi state and he's not going to do that, eh, whatever, you know what I'm saying? They beat LSU, right? Throwing mesh over and over. So I love that. Now, high school, what I think you should do, I think that you have to do what your players can do, even if you don't know how to do it. Yep. So I think I think that's the beauty of it is identifying what your kids are capable of. And if it's something you're not comfortable with or you don't like or you don't know how to do it, you got to go out and figure out how to do that. You know, if if I have a couple of like humongous six six tackles show up next week, you know, we 
you know, we're probably going to run behind them. You know, if I, if, if I go out this spring and, and we can zip the ball and throw the ball over the field, we're going to do that. So what I like, well, I like to throw the ball. I, I like to aerate, but what, what I think you should do, I think you should ground and pound it if you got it. I had state's leading rusher this year. And, and I had a good quarterback and I had good receivers and we, and we could have tried to, to throw the ball from a philosophical standpoint or what I like, but, you know, we, he led the state in rushing. He's a Mr. Football candidate because of that. So, you know, that, that, that's what we did this year. We, we, we were ground and pound and we had a little RPO in there, but uh, that, that just helps out the, the run game. Of course. It does. Uh, <laughs> but no, that's nice. Cause you know, cause I've seen games, you know, my dad's a Nebraska Cornhusker fan. So we watched big 10 football and, you know, if anybody's familiar with Big Ten football, um, football usually it's ground and pound. So, but if you can run it, like my dad would always say, why, why stop it? Of course, college football, you play at Kentucky and then in Moorhead State. <clears throat> Playing at Kentucky, how was that? Of course, being in the SEC, my opinion, even though as much as people hate the SEC, love fest, but you got to respect what the conference has done, especially with Alabama and LSU. But uh, how was it like at uh, playing SEC football and uh, and um, eventually going to Moorhead State? So, you know, I, I definitely in Kentucky, my role, you know, I, I was a program guy there. And, uh, I, you know, initially getting there, you know, it was just try to earn the respect of my peers and coaches. And and, and I got to that point. Um, I went in, we, we were on probation. Coach Brooks had just got there. Um, even when I was still there, we, we had, you know, we lost some games that, that an SEC school has no business of losing, but I think the dividends paid off with coach Brooks, you know, they, they had some great years there and just, just like the, the, like the lessons learned, like to myself of like the termination and grit of doing things that people, when people tell you, you can't do something and then you go do it. Um, I think getting that is, is, is a gift that, that UK gave me. And then as part of, of on the side of SEC being the best, look, you got to go to SEC football games. I'm right. hoping to here. If the, I know right now Alabama and Mississippi is a hundred percent. If I can get, uh, you know, I'm going to in October, or hopefully even prior to head back to Eastern Kentucky and watch some football back there. Uh, hopefully I can yeah. at least catch UK. I mean, UK's got, I mean, they used to be kind of bottom of the barrel. Their facility is awesome. You go to a game down there, it's electric. But, man, you, you start getting down in the south and, you, you know, you go you go to LSU, you go to Death Valley, mm -hmm. you go to the Swamp, you know, you go to Alabama game. I mean, it is just, it is, it is unbelievable. And I think people in Kentucky, they, they like football here. They, they like UK football. They do. But people don't understand the, the culture that surrounds that and specifically the the southeastern conference in, in the south it it is it, it's just it's really unbelievable and i think that a lot like where i'm from a lot of people in eastern kentucky you know they're huge basketball people and all that and, and that's all fine but man anybody that goes to one of those games and sees the tailgating and the the thousands the hundreds of thousands of people that that get into that and all of those sec schools for the most part are in small smaller towns you know, Tuscaloosa is small, figuratively. Athens is small, right? Uh, Mississippi State is out in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, you, all that gravitates to those small areas and the entire cities are built around, in some cases, the, the football stadium. So, I mean, the, the SEC stops on that, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. And uh, hopefully I can uh, attend. Well, I love to, my dream, um, bucket list for each conference. I think Penn State was a big 10 just because, you know, the whiteout is, is phenomenal. But I think Alabama and Florida and Georgia, I think is a top three for sure down in the SEC country. Uh, speaking of, you know, Kentucky football, Louisville, um, of course, you know, Kentucky's is basketball state if you want to go history wise, but Mark Stoops has done a phenomenal job at Kentucky. Has it, is it time that you can probably say that Kentucky's starting to change that basketball state to a football state just from Kentucky Kentucky's success under Stoops and then Louisville's getting back up to where they usually are? I think I think you I would say yes and that is because not because as much as the success of UK and Louisville football right I think 
the rise in popularity of high school football that I've seen in this state and, and the higher level of football that's being played at the high school level in Kentucky. You know, there you're starting to get more and more, uh, you know, highly star rated recruits, way more D1 guys. You're, you're watching, you're watching a team, you know, even use us to our own horn. You, you got Wes Carter, uh, RPO on and playing super sound defense. You know, the, the level of high school football is on the rise in Kentucky. And I think once kids are getting recruited out of these small areas and, e and even some of the bigger cities, I think people start start attaching to college football. And then for most people, you know, I was that way, you know, there was no place I wanted to play but UK or Moorhead because that's where I'm from. So I think I think you can start seeing that with Kentucky, with people identifying with that because people they know or their schools are successful at football. And then, you know, with UK basketball, I mean, it's a dynasty, but you get a lot of negativeness because there's there, the kids aren't from Kentucky playing there, you know, and, and maybe that's a stretch. You know, I don't think UK has, you know, they can fill a whole roster with, with Kentucky boys, but, you know, a lot, a lot of people would like to see that, right? Well, of course, and, and it's like anything else, man. If you're not winning, you know, K Kentucky basketball is on levels. They don't win a national championship. It's a wasted year, yep. you know, and that's, that's just irrational. So I, I think to answer your question, the rise of high school football in Kentucky is maybe making it more of a football state than, per se, UK or, or U of L, what, what they're doing. Not to say that they're not on the rise either. Very nice. And, you know, I, Back in the late 2000s, where I attended KCU and Grayson, Kentucky, um, yeah, I can get, definitely tell you, you guys love the Wildcats. I even saw quite a bit of Cardinal fans out there, but uh, I'll give you, you know, a lot of passionate UK fans, and uh, it was a fun, it was fun. I love, you know, Eastern Kentucky's beautiful, and I know it may not be everybody's destination, but I would definitely say if you haven't been to Eastern Kentucky, I'd definitely check it out because it's beautiful. Yeah, for, for sure. It, it, it is a, it is a beautiful place. And, you know, I think, I think any place there's a, there's lots of beautiful places across the United States, but I, I think people from Eastern Kentucky and, and Appalachia for that matter are some of the best people in, in your transplant. So, you know, when, when you were here, I think there's some of the best people on earth, you know, every, everyone's friendly. It's all close, close knit. So I think, if you can get over some of the non-metropolitan things about Eastern Kentucky, I, I think that you know everyone should should give it a chance and not just not just pass through. If for anything, if you're not impressed with the scenery, the people. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. And final question, Coach. Growing up, what was it, uh, some of the players you admired um, watching, whether it's a college football or even the NFL? Who was you? Who was some of your favorite ones growing up watching? So. For Christmas one year, it was when the NFL first started allowing Nike jerseys, right? It was a big deal. I don't know what they were before. Maybe like, I can't remember because I wasn't like that in the name brand stuff, but I was getting to be. They went Nike. So the Dallas Cowboys had Nike jerseys and the one and only primetime Deion Sanders. I had the Deion Sanders jersey for Christmas. And I, I think it was like sixth grade. I literally wore, you know, the, the like the cheap screen print that used yep. to be on the jerseys. Yep. Literally yep. wore it off, wearing wearing a D. And it looked ridiculous because it had the sleeves, like the, the sleeves that come down past your elbow. Wore it off, and then uh, you know another another NFL dude was Randy Moss. You know, I'm from the tri-state area, and uh, he's from uh, Dupont in West Virginia. So it was like, you know, I was attached from that. He might he might as well have been from where I'm from, right? So. And, and he's the greatest. So let's go ahead and let's go ahead and throw that out there since we're on the internet. If anybody, <laughs> if anybody wants to add me, Randy Moss, <laughs> the truth. So uh, you know, I think I think he might not too long ago let Jerry Ross know that. So uh, just just exceptional player. And the in the getting back to talking about people from Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia, when you hear Randy on ESPN now, he's he's got the same accent. He's saying the same stuff that everyone that ain't from here thinks is funny and and, and he's just uh you know it gives the appearance of you know being a media personality of, of, of just being a 
uh, you know, a, a hillbilly and a, and a redneck and a dude from Eastern Kentucky or, or from Appalachia. And, and, I, and, I, and I love that about him, you know, now for sure. It, it makes me, it makes me feel glad that I, you know, idolized him growing up as well. Absolutely. <laughs> I think Randy Moss, you can definitely throw in the mix, if not one of the greatest to play. And, uh, you know, a few, probably Tony Gonzalez, I enjoyed watching, John Elway, of course, people that don't, if you're listening uh, behind me, Denver Bronco fans. So, but Coach, I know it's getting laid back in your neck of the woods and uh, all that good stuff, but hey, Coach, you're more than welcome to come on anytime. It's been a pleasure, and it's been fun having you on. Hey, man, I appreciate you uh, you breaking me in, you know, be, being a noob to the, uh, the, the whole podcast thing, but uh, hey, man, I appreciate you having me on, and hopefully we can... Uh, we can maybe do some more uh, noteworthy stuff at West Card, and we and we got something to uh, you know to talk about. Hey, absolutely! And uh, ha- uh, final thing, how can people come uh, if you're listening? How can they come and interact with you on Twitter? Hey, I'm I'm, I'm at Flavor Flan. So it is the most unprofessional thing. <laughs> I feel like my my wife was giving me slack about it. She's like, "Are you serious?" And I, I said, "Well, look, you know, like." To me, life's too serious to not still have a little bit of fun. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was a Flavor Flav thing. So Flavor Flan, it went there. And, you know, sometimes the kids will ask me about it. And I'm like, look, man, you just got to, you got you to look up uh, Flavor Flav and, and uh, you, you'll know what it's all about. But, yeah, uh, you can you can hit me up on there. Uh want to talk football I try to keep a somewhat of a football presence on Twitter that's kind of my my thing on there so uh yeah I, I like to talk shop I like to learn um I'm a huge huge internet football guy so I really uh, really appreciate what Twitter has done I mean honestly done for my my coaching ability for well, sure well I'm, I'm absolutely and Twitter I think is you know I know you have your negativity with everything but you know, so on and so forth. You, you, and you will with every social media, but I think Twitter is pretty phenomenal because you can interact for the most part with almost literally anyone across the United States and into the world. So I think it's phenomenal how Twitter you can actually utilize towards your career. Yeah, for sure. Uh, when when UK just hired the, their newest offensive coordinator, I shot my shot and I, you know, I, I, I added him, you know, talking about uh, a specific run scheme and you know and he hit me back so to me a guy that's coaching in the NFL that's taking a job that you know he didn't know me that is is awesome about Twitter and and that's what I try to do I try to keep my Twitter like football only and not let any of the negative the negative stuff in on it so when I get on my Twitter it's it's football 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 so it's it's a good thing for me hey nothing wrong with football Coach, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again for coming on. And like I said, you're more than welcome to come on anytime. Shoot me a text and we can just chat it up. Doesn't have to be football. We just chat up about life and uh, hey, it'll be fun. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Again, Coach Flannery of the West Carter High School Offensive Coordinator. Again, listen to us on the Unhinged Sports Network every Friday night at 10 p.m. Eastern and subscribe and listen to us on iTunes and Google. Follow the show at Air Raid underscore podcast on Twitter. I will attach the coach on there as well. And also follow me on my personal Twitter on air with Mike. Everyone have a great weekend and we will see you all next Monday.